Hey there, Mark. How we doing tonight? Hey, Johnny. How are you, buddy? I am doing pretty good. Really happy not to be in Shiny Pines Trailer Park right about now. Oh, man, I know. I saw that. It's terrible, huh? Yeah, you know, I, I hear that they uh, the, the Fujisaki scale got all the way up to a level 5. They're looking at some Humpty's Revenge, man. Whew. I would not want to be a double wide. I, I wouldn't either, especially if one of the doors is open. <laughs> Welcome to Dang Old Podcast, everybody. Well, oh, man, I don't know why that tickled me so hard. <laughs> Welcome to Dang Old Podcast. It is. It's a great one. <laughs> this is a weekly King of the Hill podcast where uh, I, Mark, and my good buddy... Johnny. Take two episodes of King of the Hill, and we see if it's good, or if it's bad, or if it makes us laugh, or makes us cry, or feel something or nothing at all, and then we rate it with our awesome rating system, and yeah, we might as well just dive into this one, eh, Johnny? Heck yeah, so we're going to start today with uh, Season 2, Episode 2, Texas City Twister. Okay, I don't know what that, that voice was, whatever that twang was. I feel like I'm slowly becoming more Texan the more we talk about this show. Oh God, that's kind of Episode a terrifying 20, thought. He's gonna be dead, yeah. <laughs> well, good thing neither of us are uh, women, so that's okay. Uh, our original air date for Texas Whoa! Twister. Oh, Johnny, coming in hot. Sorry, that's a little topical, everybody. That's not very nice. It is not topical. It has been happening for the last I don't know what Texas stopped trying to not run away in what 1880. So <laughs> last hundred and eighty years, yeah, no, no. It's not topical. It's not funny. You're just, you're on the money, buddy. Fair enough. (laughs) All right. So our original air date for Texas City Twister, September 28th, 1997. Oh, man. Let's see. That would put uh, little Johnny in the second grade, probably. That would put you in what? The third grade, Mark? Uh, the third grade, we have just, little Mark has just moved to Colorado Springs, Colorado, because his mom got a new, fun, awesome job with the company, and that company immediately folded, and so we had to move into the really, 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 really poor part of Springs, and it was scary. Oh, man. It well, hey, it's real at, scary. At least at Colorado the end of Springs this. people, talking South, South Academy and Citadel, y'all know what's up. Pop, they, pop, oh, they Jazz know. Fair. Mm. Pop, pop. Oh God! Hey, there was a least... nightclub, right? So in our so there's our little apartment complex, and just literally 20 feet south of that is this club called La Jazz Affair. And literally every night somebody got stabbed there. Oh man! Literally every night. That's that's rough, man. I you know I live, grew up in suburbia, so I don't think I ever saw or heard of anybody getting stabbed within like a 20 mile radius of me, just about. It was also nuts because all the drug dealers lived in our apartment complex, so it was like a super safe place to live. Oh, jeez. It was insane. Like, but my sad upbringing notwithstanding, let's let's rapidly divert from this. Texas City Yeah, Twister, for sure. September 8th, 1997. Get after <laughs> all it. All right. So our cast of characters for this episode, Hank Hill, Peggy Hill, Bobby Hill, Luann Platter, Dale and Nancy Gribble, Boom Hauer, Bill Dotrieve. Uh, a radio cameo from an announcer and one Wheezy of Wheezy's Strip Club. And then we have some mentions of Hoyt and Leanne Platter. So we got a regular cast of, of, uh, of schmucks here. But also cool to see, like, uh, the inclusion of Nancy doing something other than cheating on her husband. That's kind of fun. 
It's you true. Like, to see what Nancy does. This is this is uh, Weather Girl Nancy Gribble, hey, Nancy Hicks yeah. Gribble. Excuse me. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in there and uh, and fix that uh, wiki article because apparently she's just Nancy Gribble. Are you kidding me? No, it's it said just as Nancy two Gribble. Two episodes in a row. Like, what are we doing? I'm I'm just. I, guys, if you can get there before me, you feel free. I will not be offended. I just want to see it look right. Johnny, you got to get on there, man. Dangle podcast. I, I got to. Like, user slash DOP. Like, we got to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So our synopsis for this episode. Hank and the guys untip a trailer so that he can kick Luann back out of his house. After Hank tells Peggy to go to hell, he finds himself chasing after her in the middle of a tornado. Does that sound pretty right? That sounds okay. a thousand percent right. So our A story characters here, Hank, Peggy, Luann. This is it's. I mean, Luann's kind of a like a side piece to this. She's more like a more like of a foil. And really, this is it's a Hank and Peggy episode. They just keep raging at each other. Yeah. And then if we have a B story here, it's it's Bobby and his tiny little story about trying to throw an egg through something. Maybe it's not a fully developed one, and maybe you know it doesn't really go anywhere, but. I felt the need to include it because I think it's hilarious. So, I think that this one has several B plots. Okay. Remember in the first, or, or no, not in the first one, but in Hank's Got the Willies, I said A subplot one. Or, or no, A, what did I say? A sub one. A sub one. Yes. I think this has like B1, B2, B3, and they all have to wrap up together in the end to get the end that we get. And I think it's this like weirdly solid bit of writing. You okay. have Bill as his pumped up Sergeant Army barber self. I can hear you. Obnoxious Bill. Obnoxious yes. Bill is my least favorite Bill, but hey, it's well, fine. Yes. No, I I agree. But also shout out to uh, oh my god, not what's his name? Two root. Steven Root, right? Steven Root, yep. I wanted to say Tom Root. That's not right. Shout out to Steven Root. You kill it with the irritating there, buddy. Like, um... Yes. You got uh, Dale and Boomhauer going to be storm chasers. That's hilarious. Like... Yep. There's so much... There's so much side... And, and then there is Bobby with his little leg, and it just doesn't quite work out. But yeah, no. Like, I think there's several B-plots that all culminate into one big B-plot, but, like, they're littler B-plots. I don't know if that makes sense. Sure. No, I I think you're right. Like they definitely managed to to weave everything together in a very like smart way at the end. Like it's very functional and it shouldn't be for three pretty weird ass things. Yeah. But even then like shout out to just shout out to that cuz it shouldn't be that cohesive and it really is. Like Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no for sure. Um, you want to jump pros. in? You got your pros. Yeah, as I say, let's jump into some pros and cons. Um, the, my pros here. There's a pretty solid story in this. Um, there's not a lot to it, but it's a 20 minute animated TV show. You don't need to like dig into every little tiny nook and cranny. Um, mm-hmm. Realistically, Hank's a dick. Peggy calls him out on it and leaves. He feels mm-hmm. bad and then is terrified. He's never going to see his wife again. Like. It's like the hero's struggle right there. He he says something stupid, and now he has to go and chase after her. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. Um, I also felt that one of the pros here is the conflict in the family. Like, when H- Hank and Peggy are fighting, that felt very accurate to me. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Like I it, have that note. This is a really great fight. Like It yeah, felt absolutely. very authentic. 
You know, if you if you've grown up and you've had your parents like they've gotten into a fight with each other, they're kind of yelling at each other. They're not like swinging. You know, if if you people come from broken homes, like that's not what I'm just that's not what I'm describing here. And I am sorry, (laughs) I'm not meaning to call you out here, but like no, like it's it's a pretty like solid average fight where somebody straight up just leaves. And I don't know. To me, at least, you know, I grew up in a family where my mom and dad hated each other. So yeah. this this was very, very accurate to me, at least. Absolutely, but I also appreciate how, like, how, I don't know how you say this, how sighted in this fight is for Hank and Peggy to have. Like, yeah. they're yelling at each other, well, maybe that's a place that you should consider going to. Like, Hank <laughs> is yelling this. Yeah, and like uh, you're a you're a blockhead, Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that that's like Peggy just like calling him. <laughs> like that's all. That's it. That's <laughs> oh, like yeah. she she basically just dropped the c word on him. Yeah, and that's all I could keep thinking is like, man, these two are swearing at each other. Like they're dropping c bombs and f bombs and more bombs than your body has room for, and it's great. Yeah, but it's they're not, and just like. But between the writing and the voice acting, and it's so good. I love that so much. Yeah, this fight is great. Oh, for sure. But even then, like, even then you see Peggy kind of, like, as she's driving and getting more mad at Hank, you see her kind of, like, shaking out of the, like, Hill household mind frame. And she starts talking shit about his, like, proposal. And it's like, who the hell talks like that? And I put in here But you did. The... You just did, Peggy. You just had this fight and it's great and I love it. Sorry, go ahead. No, as I say, I I put it in here that this is the first time I maybe the only time we've seen Peggy do a Hank impression. Maybe, yeah. Like I she doesn't do impressions of him at least and like it's it's very few and far between. I sure do like you an awful lot. <laughs> like I think it's funny. That just, it's it sets you, it shows you just how pissed off she is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other real big pro that I have in here, uh, maybe it's not Emmy quality, but we see an insane amount of range from Brittany Murphy in this episode. Yeah. Like, an insane amount of range. Because she starts off and, you know, she's happy and all that stuff, and then Hank just goes, why are you still in my house? And then you get to hear, like, my favorite just crying, incoherent, like, screaming Brittany Murphy. We get that a lot. Yeah. But by the time they have actually shown up at her trailer, and she's going over, like, oh, man, like, this is this is what everything happened, and these are those awful pants that I had. And I guess I'm just I'm just the one that is constantly causing people to fight. I did it to you guys too. Like yeah, like there's a lot of range in that, and you see a lot of it in this episode. Oh, it's fantastic. It's it makes me miss her that much more. Yes, absolutely. I got mad at Luann Saga for Luann being like pretty flat and one dimensional. Boys don't yeah. like me. But you watch this episode and you're like, Jesus Christ! You you feel really bad for Luann. You get a really you get a sense of how terrible it was, and I, yeah. I, I don't know, like, yeah, it really hits me hard how bad Luann has it, and god damn it, but yeah, well, and, absolutely. And the animators, they punched it really hard, too, by, like, the second she opens up that door, yes, everything was on its side, and it looks like a shithole. You know, you it know also... that it looked like a shithole before it flipped over, too. It did, and the fact that Hank wants to send her back there makes you hate him that much more. 
It makes the yeah. ending of this episode where he is humiliated that much more satisfying. Because he really was like, nope, you need to get out of here. I'm, we're going to send you back to that. And here, you can have my propane card. But can you – do you blame Hank, though, like – from, yes from and Hank's no. Perspective, even that line of "she's always crying" and she is like in the episodes. <laughs> There's no rhyme or reason. Yeah, like I, I get it. I, I understand why he's fed up. Like, what's that? Get what's that? Um, oh, what's the quote? And it's like house or house guests are a lot like fresh fish. They start to stink after three days. Yeah. Like, and Luann's been there for a weird amount of time, and I've got a note for that later, but that doesn't matter. But like. I don't know. I really definitely feel for Hank in this episode because, yeah, like, he just has to bear the brunt of this. She's not contributing anything. Like, I don't know. She's just there. And even that, like, she's washing his underwear and it's weird and maybe do something. I don't know. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, like, I, I get it. I don't know. I To me, it seems to, like, like Hank is just a, a little bit overtly cruel. He is. But... He, we have to. Have, this is Dick Hank. We have to have. Dick, there's there's two types of Hank. There's there's Happy Hank and then there's Dick Hank. Yeah. And in this episode, we have to have Dick Hank, and that's fine. Like it's true. Well, and this is kind of his baseline with Luann. Even when he's happy with her, he's not happy with her. But I couldn't be any other way. Like God, I don't know. <laughs> if you had Luann living in your in your apartment, Mark. Oh God, I got the room, and I don't want her in here. Like, <laughs> right. Okay, so uh, you got any more pros for this? Um, I got a couple. Number one, look at Bill. I that's my that's one of the pros. He's so goddamn cute when he's all popped up in his big Sergeant Barber uniform. I just want to pick yep. his fat cheeks. I love Bill. Um, I kind of already said this earlier, but the pacing for Act Two is solid. Like yeah. everything fall. Because I even was, like, making a note, like, wow, you're just giving the exposition away for this? I was like, no, they're not. It's the ad break. It's This is the act break. This is what's going to happen now. This is how it's going to go down. They're showing us what's happening, and I really like it. I like that we get to see, like, Boomhauer and Dale go have a stupid side adventure. I like right. that Bill gets to get all jacked up on, like, GI power. It's adorable. It's great. Um, not, not unlike your Stretch Armstrong, Marvel Heroes, Spider-Man yeah, exactly. and such. Yeah, and even that, your bat cave is open. Boy, <laughs> that's a solid bit of writing right there. Like, yep. yeah. Um, I guess I'll give this one now. No, I'll give this one first. Hank's tiny white ass. We see Hank and his diminished gluteal syndrome, and I love it. It's great. DGS. It's funny. Yep. But then finally, my final point for pro is the animation. This animation is beautiful. You can tell yeah. the King of the Hill got renewed for a second season by Fox, and Fox executives said, hey, throw money into this shit because it's going to make us more money. You do it to there. Because, goddammit, that, like, the, the twister behind Hank flapping in the breeze is worthy of, like, it should have been animated by Toho Studios, but it wasn't, so that's fine. But, goddamn, right. it's so pretty. And then it's I went on to find out that this episode won an award for Outstanding Animation. So there you go. I, I am not surprised. Yeah, it got an Emmy. Speaking yeah. of Emmys, it got one. Yeah, like no kidding. Uh, it's I to your point of animation specifically. All of our characters look like they will pretty much for the rest of the series, even when they stop being hand drawn. We're locked in. Yeah, this is how we're gonna look for the rest. They of the found day. their models. They look good, and all these characters look like they're supposed to. 
Yes, absolutely. And this is the episode that I noticed it in. Like, I was like, okay, this is solid. I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to come back to one of your points that you made earlier about in, in prose about pacing. Okay. And I want to say that they do a very – because I don't usually think of this sort of stuff. Um, but they do a very good job of increasing the tension. Like the okay. more this episode goes on, like they start you out and they get you kind of jacked up with that fight. But they bring you back down and then they do a really, really good job at increasing the tension. Like – bit by bit by bit until by the time he actually gets to the trailer park you're like holy shit what is going to happen yeah like you know that it's an animated show nothing's going to happen to Hank he's not going to die they don't do that but still right but still you're feeling something yeah so no absolutely yeah yeah, no you, you hit it spot on when you talked about how good the pacing was in the last half of this and I think just the way they they build that up exponentially is so so good. But even the way that the, they they tie it in so well, Dale and Boomhauer being idiots. Dale cuts a cornfield and loses a jar or, or not a jar a barrel of insecticide. The National Guard shows up for it. Bill gets to be there to be the big swinging dickhead that he is. That he just wants to be so bad. And then Hank just subverts his authority and drives around. And that waylays him enough before he can get to the trailer park to get Peggy and Luann. I'm assuming he's going to get her too out of there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It stops him just enough to where there's no possible way for him to do this. You know what I mean? Like... It's yep. perfect. It's just, it's so perfect. Literally, literally, you talked about storytelling. This is literally man against nature. Like. Yes. Yeah. No, it's, it's super it's solid. It's so good. It's great. I don't know. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, no, no. I, no, it is. It's a very good one. Um, let's talk about some cons. I got some cons. Let's give me some cons. My biggest con is, um, number one, my big con is, uh, oh, Alex Trebek. Yeah. This, this episode reminded me that Alex Trebek is dead. And just because I haven't watched Jeopardy in 10 years doesn't mean that I'm not still sad that Alex Trebek is dead. Sure. Um, People fighting over toilet paper is not funny. God damn it. No, it's I not. The, I lived through the 2020 pandemic, and it is not funny. I was there. I was on the front lines, and it wasn't funny. God damn it. And Bless you I, for your service. Uh, it's, it's fine. I'm, I'm no hero. No, like um, working retail, that's not okay. <laughs> Um, no, sir. Um, anyway. Uh, and finally, Hank's truck is really screwed up in this episode, and he does not seem to care. This is Hank Hill. This is Hank Loggs' oil records, and we haven't gotten that to that point yet, but whatever, Hill. This, yep. And maybe this, we talked about it before, like, we kind of, you and I have the, the tendency to want to jump forward in time, I think. Yeah, but I think man, we do. But, 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 even with that, holy God. So, like, Boomhauer just, like, flipping up onto the trailer. That whole undercarriage, is, it's got to be dicked, right? His alignment's yep. got to be completely screwed up. Yep. But, no, that whole montage sickens me. And then just, like, <laughs> it, it does. It really messes with me because, like, I have a, an attachment to this truck. And, yeah. like, I know Hank does, and he just ignores it through this episode. Like, it's terrible. Oh, or, sure. Like, that's that's even in one of end, my like, cons. It's it's, it's like that last shot is that truck is up on like 35 degrees or whatever. Like he's yeah. going to what back it off. Like I, or maybe Texas insurance, like auto insurance is crazy comprehensive for like trucks. I don't know, especially if they've been hit in a tornado, but 
no. Outside of that, I don't have a lot of cons. That's that's pretty much it. Sure. So one of my bigger ones here, it, it goes right along that vein. Hank's not going to hit and run. That's not who he is. No. So as much as I enjoy hearing uh, Dale do his, his whoopy yell that we haven't heard since um, uh, Straight Arrow, where he just starts screaming in his redneck way, I yeah. love that. But, you know, okay, you flip the truck and then you totally wrecked another one. Hank is not yeah. the guy to just drive off after that. But that's also so funny because whip hap, never mind. But also, it made me really think like, how strong are trailers? Is that plausible? Yeah. And honestly, um, I've maybe. lived in single wides, and no, that's a thousand percent plausible. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But so, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, right there, I mean, shit. What, what would have happened to his, uh, his radiator? Oh, yeah. No. Like, like what would have happened to his radiator? Then he now has to drive that thing at the end of the episode. Like, he is busting it to try and get back to Shiny Pines. Like, dude, your engine's going to overheat. It's not your freaking fuel filter that's gone bad. Ooh, what if it was? Or what if What if you're right? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. Also, also, like, uh, I guess you call this an ongoing nitpick. Um, Again, Hank Are is you supposed gonna... to be this master mechanic. Okay. What were you gonna think? No, so no, no, no. It's, it's if you're going down mechanics route, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna interrupt you because that's not what I thought you were going. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, um, Hank is this master mechanic or whatever, and we see this later on in the series. And again, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but God, like, it's the fuel filter again, again. You, and maybe, maybe he, maybe he's fine. Maybe he gets a pass because like he can. Ice, oh God. There's a burp. He can isolate it based off the sound, and it's, it's the fuel filter. Maybe that's what it is, but, like, again, uh, Hank's truck's a piece of shit. We know it. We love it. Yep. But let it, just let it be that, you know? I don't know. What yep. were you going to say? What were you going to say? I'm sorry. Uh, well, no, no, no. It's it's all good. Um, and to your credit here, not only is it the fuel filter, again, this isn't even the first time that he's had fuel issues. Like, Luann had to blow his fuel line clean. Yeah. This is Hank, who only ever puts regular gas in his car. You know, at least that's what he tells uh, uh, Drew Carey later on in the series here. But, like, come on now. Clearly, you know you have a fuel issue because this is a continuing problem. Get your shit together, Hank. No, mm -hmm. when you said that you have a continuing, like, bitch about something, I thought you were going to talk about my last con on here. Okay. Hey Mark, how many people do voices in the Megalomart when when uh, when Hank is trying to buy okay, his fuel filters? Like, I, okay, dude, I okay. okay. <laughs> Let's. I, I want to hear the rage. Was afraid. I was afraid that this was too nitpicky of a note because I've I've picked this spot and now we're into season two, so I've got to assume that this is just a thing that they are gonna do. Hey, let's not get anyone new. Let's recycle. That's what we'll do. Do, 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 do. Jesus Christ, Johnny. What is this shit? Oh my God. It's just... Oh, God. It is bad. Trying. They're not even trying. It's just Kathy and Jimmy. And it's just... Oh my God. It's so... But even yeah. that, even my favorite line of this episode is just delivered by Bobby. But it's not yeah. Bobby. It's the old woman. Oh my God. God! <laughs> is it okay. this jackass is, is taking all the fuel filters? I need one. There's that one. There's that one. It's the. It's all of the. Oh. Yeah. They're just. It's just. But also, how come Mike Judge can't do a second voice? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why it's not is asking it just, too much? Why do women have to like double voice it or like record double copy, and then like, 
Uh, God, it's obnoxious, okay, dude. No, I'm sorry. No, I didn't <laughs> want to do it. I was trying to be so good because I really thought that, like, maybe this is what we're doing. I was trying to take this as, like, fine. We'll call it right now. Like, uh, 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 Rachel McFarlane will do stuff for American Dad, and it's just Haley. Just, like, she's not pitching up her voice or anything, but, hey, the character models are different, and I've got suspension of disbelief, and it's fine. But this is egregious because even that woman with the horrible hair still looked like Peggy, Johnny. God damn she it. She did. And Bobby's gonna look like that old lady when he's ninety. God damn it! Okay, I'm done. Okay. Okay. Wait, okay. I hear. Here, you ready? That's me tapping out. I tapped out. Okay, I'm done. You've you've tapped. That's okay. Uh, so I mean, that's that's it for my cons. But uh, we need to introduce uh, a new element here. Yes. And uh, we haven't done this for a while, but you definitely gave me uh, all the the pageant pageantry. No, you gave me all of the necessity to do this as needed so okay. i feel like uh, we need to debut johnny's retro reference rage excellent because yes. we, are, new, we are a new reoccurring series on dangle podcast johnny's retro ref- reference rage I i'm going to add it here into the end of our cons. sound effect yes yeah i'm going to add it here into the end of our cons because uh we, you know the last couple episodes we've watched haven't had too many really bad pop culture references anything that really dates them that's probably why you liked uh in our last episode why you liked uh single plastic female so much um or and why it holds okay. up so much i should say not necessarily why you liked it but why it holds up so well because it's not yeah. full of like a bunch of cheesy stuff it's just a good story yes. uh so i've got three instances here all of varying degrees okay so you already named one and it's not really a retro reference rage because everybody knows who Alex Trebek is. He has yes. amazingly stayed a mainstay for the last 30, 40, 50 years almost. Cultural icon, we can call him. He, he is. He is a household name, and there is not a lot of them left. Yes. Uh, at least not multi-generational household names. And Alex Trebek no, no. is one. So you know what? I'll, uh, it's in there, but that's like lowest tier here. Okay. Um, the next one... Luann is talking to Peggy about what she wants to do when she graduates Beauty Academy and what she, what her like ultimate dream would be, and it's to hide the bags under Michael Douglas's eyes. <laughs> like that one. That's not a very funny joke because the dude's bags under his eyes aren't that bad. Anybody watching Ant Man can tell you that. But two, before too long, you're not gonna know who Michael Douglas is. You know, he's not a big name actor anymore. He was Johnny, a big game actor in the nineties, dude. Like, I yes, but you know, so Michelle Pfeiffer's in that too. And how many other movies has she been in in the last ten years that you can think of? I don't know because I didn't see Ant Man. See, there you go. So his is <laughs> his is like mid tier, the the over the top one that pisses me off. Hey, Mark, have you ever seen a single episode of a show called Hard Copy? Yeah. When did you watch it? Because I've never seen one. Can I be straight with you? Yes. I watch them on YouTube all the time. <laughs> well, you're a freak of nature. <laughs> it's this weird, like, it's this weird snapshot of, like, tonight on hard copy, did this woman murder her husband with a butter knife? No. Welcome back. We had to give you a... No, like, oh, dude, I love all that old shit. Like, no, nah, I feel like hard copy ran until, like, 98, 99. It ran like, for a very, very long time. It was and a for the- super, like, solid standby it was but for all the people that don't know what hard copy is it was a tabloid tv show that had over 2,000 episodes 
It was great. It is great. Johnny's hating, you guys. Like I am, but I'm making my point here. In ten okay. years, no one but you is gonna know what hard copy was. So that but reference to that hard copies hard copies giving us five hundred bucks for flying cow footage. They're not gonna get it. Like something very sp- okay. Anyway, that's my retro <laughs> reference rage. That's what okay. you get for this. Okay, no, I'm calling foul on you. I'm calling a flag on your play. You're so mad at all this, but you ain't got a problem with Dr. Demento? I have a note in my notes. Who the f*** is Dr. Demento? I mean, Dr. Demento is more of a mainstay. That I've heard more about him than I have of hard copy in the last 10 no. years. Shenanigans. You've heard more... Do- no, there's more hard copy. Hard copy spawned TMZ. Dr. Demento doesn't... E- I don't even know who that dude is, but I remember him being this weird, like, phantom in my childhood. I remember very clearly, once upon a time, my brother... Bef- and this is before, like, kids, we're going back in time to when CDs were a thing. And my brother wanted this song called The Cockroach That Ate Cincinnati For Christmas. I don't know. Whatever. And my weird sciencey aunt and uncle, who had the internet in 2000, whatever the hell it was, before internet was a real thing, said, Oh no, the only copy we could find was Dr. Demento, and he's a bad guy. You don't want his stuff, Dan. So they gave him a parody (laughs) CD of fishing songs. And spoilers, they were all trash. Anyway, that's a long way to go for a short drink of nothing. I just, I'm amazed you didn't list Dr. Demento, because is he still a thing, or am I just off base? I don't know. Uh, he's 80 years old, and he's still broadcasting, so Jeez there you Christ, go. Really? We also got Weird Al Yankovic from him, so mm. maybe it's a personal bias? I'll go with that. I don't know. Anyway, that was my retro I'm, reference rage. It's fine. I love your ref- love your retro reference rage. It's It's some good stuff. Let's get to some favorite moments, man. Oh, my favorite lo- my favorite moment is my favorite line. It's the old lady. I've seen a barrel of pickles in my day. Yep, I, I have it here too. <laughs> I just I it's I yeah, have it here it's too. Bobby. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. I can forgive my voice acting hatred cuz like, oh god, that's is the woman still alive? I love that that whole thing. It's so great. I Yep. I've seen a, I've seen a barrel of pickles in my day, but then you think about it, and it gets super sad because this like, super old woman is living in a trailer park, and oh, she probably did see a barrel of pickles in her day. Yeah, like, you don't want to know what she's seen. I don't. Uh, I've I've got in here Humpty's revenge, Humpty's the whole revenge. concept. The whole concept of Dale saying something and Bobby believing it so much that he has to bring. A, a raw egg with him just to try and throw it through a barn that's just the best yes um we also have a series first here mark oh yeah when uh, hank and bobby pies? it is fruit pies please tell me you wrote fruit, that down too i totally wrote fruit pies i was so happy he's like maybe they'll have fruit pies he knows they have fruit pies that is yes. the look of an addict like, yes. he knows that they have them. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Oh, good stuff. Okay, well, why don't you break down our rating system for us, Mark? Yes, we should, because I was like, we just did that, but we didn't do that. That was the other episode. <laughs> um, before I do that, I got one final note, Johnny. I got one final comment sure. before we get into the rating. Um, The timeline doesn't add up here. Are you going to talk about Bobby reading Luann's diary yeah okay so okay so luann owes six months of back rent at shady pines 
We shiny know pines. that her parents. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, shiny pines. Uh, we know that her parents weren't the type to like pay like advance rent, right? Correct. So we have Luann staying at the hills for a maximum of six months at this point. Bobby reads, or Bobby talks about how he makes a point to say that he did not read Luann's diary when she was living there, even though she suspected he did in 1995. This is 1997. Now, fine. I am willing to give a one-year bracket, whatever, overlap period for animation stuff. But even still, that would put, like, Luann just getting there and Bobby literally reading her diary, like, the first week she's there. And that just kind of sticks out to me as, like, a weird... Again, albeit comic book guy level of nerd red flag, but yeah, it, it don't... No, I, I noticed it too, buddy. I noticed it too. Okay, and good. And maybe good. it's just you and me. Maybe we're just those guys now. I'm fine. I'm fine being those guys. I just want to make sure that I wasn't <laughs> alone. Oh, yeah. No, I, I noticed it too. Cool, cool. Um. All right, so moving on to our rating system. So, our rating system for the Dangle Podcast goes a little something like this. So, at the very, very bottom, we've got charcoal. Charcoal is bad. It's trash. It's you don't want it ever, even, no, never, not once. It is Sir Punt, but I can't say that one because we haven't gotten there yet. Following that <laughs> is Megalo Quality. That's a bronze level rating. It's, eh, whatever. It's not a bad episode, but it's really not that good either. Following that is Butane. Butane is a bastard gas and a bastard rating. Nothing more needs to be said about it. It's the silver level. After that is uh, Char King Imperial Quality. Char King is a gold level standard, and that's what you want to shoot for. Nothing can be perfect all the time always, because that just won't happen, but you get you want to like really just aim for them really solid gold episodes. And then, just then, maybe, just maybe, if you are... S- single plastic female you will achieve because as of me last week I bitched out and gave I didn't bitch out I stand firmly behind it <laughs> you will give it the rating of blue flame of valor that is the top of the top the cream of the crop too hot to handle too cold to hold the best of the best of the best of the king of the hill episode and yeah Johnny I know that that rhymed I did it on purpose haha what's your rating baby what do you give this episode Wow, I feel like I'm talk- talking to Macho Man Randy Savage in the early 2000s. Uh, on a scale of charcoal... He, he realized it hurt his throat, so he's like, we don't do that now. It's it, This is Macho Man with his rap album, Macho Man. Uh, on, on, a scale of, on a scale of charcoal to the blue flame of valor, I gave Texas City Twister a butane rating. Uh, it's okay. a base level episode. It's got a couple of good moments for me. Um, it is really pretty, but there's not a lot of substance to this episode, and there is some some nitpicky stuff that you have now pointed out to me, and it's really hard for me to ignore, like the multiple people doing one voice. It's you, so. you, you, you kicked that ant nest, though. I was trying to like be cool about it, and I was like, if he doesn't bring it up, you're not going to say shit. And I was like, yeah, fine. Hey, like, no, I'm, I'm Mark, how do you feel about this? I'm like, okay, sounds good. I'm going to go wild. <laughs> Well, Y'all mind if I just lose it real quick? I'm bringing it up because I'm I'm now that guy too. Like it's now starting to bug me. It never has before you and I started doing this, but it is now oh, bugging me. Oh, interesting. So, All right. I'll give you that. How about you, Mark? What uh, what do you want to put this on our scale of charcoal to blue flame? I'm, I'm giving this one a blue flame. It's fine. Or not, wow, blue flame. Jesus Christ, no. Wow. I'm giving this one a butane. Wow. Ha <laughs> ha! I'm giving this one a butane. <laughs> Man, Mark must be. Woo! Drunk. 
Um, yeah, if you hit them sambucas pretty hard when you get home. <laughs> that Alex Trebek gets me so worked up. <laughs> well, I'd love my own room, but I, I, you know, I need Alex Trebek too. Okay. I am giving this one a butane rating for pretty much the same reasons you did. Yeah, it's pretty, but yeah, whatever. It kind of feels forced. I'm glad that we do get this kind of sweet resolution with Hank. I, I, I do like the line of, I love you, Peggy, and Bobby, and Luann, to a lesser extent. To a extent. lesser extent. Yeah. That is like, but it's such a good way for Hank to do it, and it's it's solid. But yeah, I, it's a good episode. It's not my favorite. It's not good enough to be a, a Char King Imperial. It's going to be a butane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And okay, I guess well, from uh, there, we might as well kick into our second episode. Let's kick in there. All right, so we are at Season 2, Episode 3, The Arrowhead. We have an original air date of October 19, 1997. Things are getting okay. chilly in Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see here. Our cast of characters for this episode. Hank, Peggy, Bobby Hill, Luann Platter, Dale and Nancy Hicks-Gribble, Boomhauer, <laughs> Bill Dotrieve. Uh, John Redcorn makes an appearance in this episode. We get a little bit more of him. And mm -hmm. our guest star, who I will kind of talk about a little bit because um, I thought he was a completely different – like I thought he was going to be a more, of a more famous person for our guest star. He's just a very well-known voice actor. Uh, but Professor John Lerner. He is uh, kind of a dick. Yes. <laughs> yes you want to give is. us a give us a synopsis here for this, Mark? Um. Hank finds native artifacts in his yard. Asks John Redcorn about them. Decides that he's going to take the not honorable route and sell them. And then Peggy gets scammed into letting some dickhead professor carve up their front yard, backyard, front yard, right? Yeah, front yard. Front yard. Yep. Yeah. The the Hanks or the Hills Yard will always elude me in terms of like topography, but yeah, sure. I don't know why, but yeah, yeah. And then they like dig up their front yard, and Hank gets all mad, and yeah, it's it's an episode. It it is. Behold so the our... wonder in my voice at this episode, because I don't have a lot to say about it. So we, I don't think we really have a B story in this uh, this episode. It's pretty through and through. But our A story yeah. characters are Hank, Peggy, and the Professor John Lerner. Mm -hmm. um, so pros and cons I think that this might be one of my favorite instances of everybody tiptoeing around John Redcorn and Nancy oh my god it's egregious dude like it, it is and it's timed so well like it's it is like the absolute perfect amount of time of Hank and Nancy just staring at each other of Yep, I know. I don't care. I need to speak to the other dude you're screwing. I need to talk to... It, it, it is. It's so good. I need to talk to John Redcorn. Like Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, because we really haven't gotten to dive into it. Like, they have hinted at it. You can tell that Joseph is John Redcorn's kid. That's very yeah. much obvious. Um, we see them going off all the time. And all this stuff, but this is I, this might be this first straight up like, yep, they are just straight up porking in Nancy's house. There's the one bit I forget the episode, um, but Dale has the joke. This place is turning, or no, it's with um, Luann Saga, and um, yes, 
This yes. place turned into Melrose Place, and like John Redcorn, like front dives out the window. But yeah, you're right. You're no, right. you're yeah, right. Nancy's though, got like, like it's full not... on sex hair. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're both in towels. Like we we very clearly know what's going on. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But I I love that encounter. Um, I also really love how stereotypical they made all the community college kids. Oh my god, I know. You know, you've got the crappy, like, Steve, not Steve Miller, uh, Dave Matthews band, cover band in the background, like, doing something dumb. If it's, if, if any of you out there know exactly what band this is and you got offended by that, that's cool. I don't care. Let us know. Please tell us. Let <laughs> us know who it is. I want to know. I'm yeah, curious. let me know. Let me know. Um, prove me wrong, children. Prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, they're playing hacky sack in the background. The dude gets Hank to sign a petition for hemp, like... It's yeah. it's everything that I wanted my college experience to be, or at least I thought I did before I actually went to college. I got weirdly nostalgic for college in this episode. I was like, wait a minute, this looks all terrible. What's wrong with you? And it's nothing like when you and I went to school. No. No. <laughs> I never once signed a petition on... No. Like, yeah. Never once did on campus. No. No, never not once. Um, I also think uh, another just really cool silly just perfectly king of the hill type joke when hank it so hank ends up getting his his yard all messed up and stuff and peggy has signed a contract and hank is pissed off about it but boomhauer is the one going over the contract yeah the fact that i mean it's the king of the hill writers know what they've got they know what they can work with and boomhauer reading it just going you know dang old solid man like perfect yeah Hank, just I can't understand a word you're saying. Stupid legal ease. I love you know. I love that too. Stupid legal. I love that bit. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That is that is a very well earned joke. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I also felt like they really they really made Hank, like. He earned his jealousy in this episode. They built it really really well. Because ultimately, yeah. nobody really thinks that Peggy's going to go and, and, and get with this professor learner. But she makes it really hard to, to like her later on in the episode. Because oh, yeah, she just, she's yeah. kind of rough. Yeah. Basically, anything they do to the pride and joy of Hank, which is his lawn, she doesn't give two shits about. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I don't care. This dude is here and he's here to teach Bobby and all this and that. So I don't care. You're just going to have to deal with it. And that's, yeah. it's kind of uncharacteristic of, of Peggy because usually she is like right there in cahoots with Hank on, on almost anything. But this guy literally outranks Hank. Like this is a doctor. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Feel like, figure like Hank is at the top of like the block. And do you know what I mean? Like in Peggy's scope, Hank is the best. So fine. But like now learner is better than hank gravitate toward right. learner i don't know no for sure but uh th- those those were kind of the pros that i had going splitting through the episode i know i just kind of like jumped right from the front to the to the end no no but... not at all uh how about you mark what do you got for pros um i got john learner's a piece of shit he really they <laughs> he does a good job of being a piece of shit the character is a piece of shit the voice actor really nails it at being a piece of shit and I you want to know who that. it is? Like, yeah, it's Maurice Lamarche. Oh, f- me, is it really? It really is. Sorry. It's Maurice Lamarche. 
Hey, we've, I don't think we've done any this episode. I think you got it, buddy. You're good. Okay, cool. Sorry. No, it's, right. and I was not expecting that. No. Johnny, it who doesn't else, sound like Where him. Where would we recognize this voice from? Because the rest of us aren't nerds like you and I are, if that makes sense. Maurice LaMarche is a Canadian voice actor. Um, most of you guys are going to know him because he did a lot of stuff in the 1990s in animated TV shows. Uh, Batman the Animated Series, Bonkers, The Critic, Freakazoid, The Tick. Um, he is different characters in Hey Arnold. He's different characters in Futurama. Uh, a lot of people will know him absolutely best as some of the people that he's done in Futurama. He voiced Zap Brannigan's beleaguered assistant, Kiff Croker. He is Calculon. He is also Morbo, the news anchor, and Lur, ruler of the planet Omicron Percy I-8. Uh, and probably his most famous role that he has done as far as voice acting goes is he is Brain in Pinky and the Brain. There you go, yeah. And it's his really bad Orson Welles impression, and I love it. Yeah, it's a fantastically bad impression. But, uh, so it's just not, it's not who you expect. And he, I mean, he's a very top notch voice actor and that's why I expected somebody that is. No, I'm, I'm really like an actual, yeah. yeah. Like it was, it was kind of a cool, fun little shock to me today. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, John, yeah. John Lerner's, he's a dick. You, you nailed that one. He's fantastic at it. Like it's great. I just, but that's really the only pro I've got for this episode. Like I hate to hate, but. Man, I'm hating. I don't even have okay. notes for this one. Like, um, okay, I do have one note. How do you swallow an arrowhead? Number one, and also, <laughs> I want to eat fried chicken for breakfast. I I really want fried chicken for breakfast. But too I, it, it's got to be fresh. Like, you know what I mean? I can't get a yep. bucket of chicken tonight and then bring it home with me and then like at six a.m. tomorrow, bust open our fridge. Yay, KFC! Like, no, I need I need hot, fresh fried chicken like right then and there at six a.m. But, yes, yeah. I want somebody bringing me freaking chicken strips at 5.30 in the morning with my coffee. Oh, God, that's the dream. Right? Oh. Um, okay, so if you if you don't got too many pros here, do you have cons? Yeah, I've got several. Okay, let's hear them. I've got a personal um, con, by the way, but we'll get to there, that in a minute. Give me, give me your – well, do you have any pros? I feel like I, I got negative. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, went, I busted through all of them before. You're, so you're good. Okay. I just want to yeah, make I'm sure, like – Okay. Um, the animation, so for me, the, there's a big one, and it's the animation when Hank's doing his, you owe my lawn an apology. It's weird. Like, that, like, tracking for the voice doesn't even really match up to me. Yeah. And we just, we just watched Texas City Twister, we just came off of, like, an Emmy Award winning episode, and then you get this. Hey, man, they blasted like, their budget. They, they blasted it, except for then I think they found a little bit more for when Hank is watching the, the uh, backhoe tear up his lawn, and he screams into his mirror, or into his window, and then he and then has wipes to wipe the it damn off. fog away. Wow. Jesus Christ. You, I, I, you have your, like, pop culture, or what, what do we call it, Johnny's Retro Rage Corner? Yep. Yeah. Oh, we'll you get there. You have that. I think I have the mark we blew we prematurely blew our animation budgets splatter <laughs> whatever shotgun something equally gross but affirming but no yep. like god you have him wiping condensation off a solid shot versus him like oddly chunkily whatever i whatever it's nothing it's nothing at all but it looks like shit um 
I don't like this episode. I think that's kind of clear. I'm sorry. What else you got? Give no, me that's okay. Uh, so I don't like the fact that they have made Bobby basically into a special ed kid at this point because Bobby really isn't a special ed kid. He's just not. He's he's average. He's an average kid. I think we can all agree with that, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like maybe a little below average, but he's not like ride the short bus on the spectrum special ed. And Peggy makes a comment about, nope, it's time to step things up a little bit. He needs to learn to have conversations with people and, and learn the art of all of this stuff. And he needs to he needs to learn how to drink without a straw. And I'm like, since when has Bobby had to drink with a straw? I don't like that. It makes it – you're demeaning him for no reason. And then they try and just sucker punch you with it because in the middle of of the dinner scene, he pulls out a freaking straw. I didn't even catch that bit, but yeah. I, I have watched this so many times, and once I heard Peggy say it, I got really mad. And then I watched the rest of that scene, and I went, oh, my God, they actually did it. And it, I just – I started raging a little bit inside. Huh. Okay. So – how about give me another one, Mark? That's that's really all I've got. I just that's all I don't you got? care for. I just don't care for this episode by and large. Like I talked about a couple episodes ago, um, for how to fire a rifle without trying. That ending is great, and I love it. This ending okay. is stupid, and I hate it. And like <laughs> even this morning, I was watching it, and Amanda goes, "What? He can't crawl out the other side of the the pit?" It's like, yeah, no, he could, but Hank's just got to keep like. She's it's gonna dumb. keep pushing him in. Yeah, I don't like the the Hank Peggy arc. I get that Hank is jealous of whatever, but like, I don't know. It's just this is one of those episodes where I feel like they had maybe an okayish idea, but it was more like, okay, we got to destroy Hank's lawn. How do we do it? Uh, fire ants. No, can't do that. Uh, flood. No, say that for season eight. Uh, a weird lippy community college professor. Do it. Do it now. Do that one. Excelsior, <laughs> and it's it's fine, it's cool, but like, it's not. This isn't. I don't know. The ending, the ending sucks, and then it cuts to black, and he's still pushing him in. Versus like, where's your mother? We left her there. We should go. Yeah. There. I don't know. It's, it's the reverse. Okay, what do you call a bad reverse juxtaposition? It's the juxtaposition of the ending of this episode. Like, yeah. Yeah, the anti-positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's the, it's the, this is the anti-monitor to the Green Lantern Corps of King of the Hill. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. yes. Um, so I'm, I'm going to bring up my personal con here before I get into my retro reference rage. Um, okay. My personal con here, and I've heard, I've had a lot of people that love this show tell me that I just need to get over it, but... I, you know, I've watched it so many times at this point, and it happens so often, and there are so many instances of it that just make me cringe. It's not fun to watch anymore. Okay. When Peggy is naive to a fault, I hate episodes like that. Yeah. Now, there is very few examples of when that is the whole point of the episode, and then it's okay. I'm looking at you, Lupe's Revenge. Yes, because that one's funny. Because she that is the that her, whole point. She overestimates her abilities and fails, and that one's fine for some reason. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. 
but her na- naiveness towards Dr. Lerner in this, it just like it just gets under my skin and it doesn't feel good and I feel like I wasted my time watching some of this episode because of it because it just is so cringy. But mm-hmm. that's going to con- I can tell you right now it's going to continue to come up with me specifically personally because Peggy and her stupid na- naivety is just it gets too much. I feel so, that. Yeah, absolutely. On to Johnny's retro reference rage. Yes, please. Um, do you uh, do you recall a very old commercial all about how you shouldn't throw your trash out the window? Yes, the PSA do you think, for yeah. <laughs> do you think anybody else remembers the crying Indian? Yes, absolutely. I would go so far as to say that, like, and even if this is getting too deep cut for the room or whatever. Um, when I was student teaching during, we, we did a, we did a, um, what do you call it? We did a unit on like logical fallacies and stuff. And we okay. watched that, we watched that video. So at least I know that 90 children in Alamosa, Colorado have watched that video. I know that <laughs> video. Um, it's a super famous video. And also if I can be a real dickhead, that dude wasn't even a native actor. His name was Ironized Cody's. Yeah. He was a friggin' uh, Italian dude out of Louisiana and I think it's hilarious. And whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I do. I absolutely get that reference. I think it's timeless. It's one of those weird. um, I think that, like, we, especially now as a people, we don't cultivate moments of culture so much as we cultivate snapshots of advertisement because you will recognize certain things like Sad Crying Indian. You will recognize Coca Cola Polar Bears. You will recognize um, insert third thing here that I can't make a cogent point about. But yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Where's the beef? Where's the um, beef? You'll recognize where's the beef. <laughs> and I don't think people are going to recognize this in 10 years, man. Maybe, like, I think it's, it's hard enough. I, I, I hope we, don't, find I hope we don't need to be guilted by a sad Indian, sorry, by a sad Native American crying to take care of the goddamn planet in 10 years. I hope this You're relapse right. itself. I really hope so too. But that's the whole point of this is that this is something that's not going to withstand the test of time. And if you watch it again in 10 years or you try and introduce this to someone new in 10 years, they're not going to get the joke and they're not going to think it's funny like we do. Okay. Okay. But (laughs) or. Okay. But or. But or. Who's the most famous white guy to like fake his way as Native American? That's right, Johnny. Johnny fucking Depp. We get Johnny Depp to go in full Tano regalia and recreate this scene in like East Hollywood right now. It's great. I love it. I'm in. Can I... (laughs) Can I count on you for your pledge of a million dollars to get this bad Larry greenlit? Only if uh, only if we uh, get to watch some weird ass like uh, English comedy on PBS. <laughs> okay, let's go to some favorite moments here, and then we can rate this bad boy. Oh, uh, give me yours. I so say you don't really have one, do you? I don't. Let me let me double check. I, wait, I got one more bitch, really quick. Yeah. Is it the Kato or the Tonkawa tribe? Because they use those two people interchangeably, and it really pisses me off. And I know they're probably both fake tribes. I didn't bother looking like indigenous people, indigenous people of a fake town in Texas. But like, I didn't either. But they do use the Kato and the Tonkawa, like pretty pretty interchangeably, and we don't establish it, and it drives me nuts. Because like, even these grad students don't know which tribe they're supposed to be after. And yeah, it hangs me up, but that's whatever. Fine, who cares? 
favorite moments. You go. You talk. You the, tell me. So the Cato are actually a real Native American group, but they come from California. I'll buy it. I'll buy that one. Okay. Maybe they right? could dip it in like Middle Texas. Maybe yeah. Um, and then I'm gonna look up Tonkawa real quick because that's what what we have Google for, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Tonkawa are American Indians and Alaska Natives. So, most assuredly, not a tribe in Texas. No, but they are from Oklahoma, and they are cannibals. Wait, 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 what? So the Tonkawa are a Native American tribe indigenous to present-day Oklahoma, but they uh, they are they represent like they do a whole bunch of stuff for things. Um, I read this incorrectly for like exemptions for American Indians and Alaska Natives and everything else through them. Like if you basically, I'm thinking if you want to go to their reservation. Oh, okay, I, okay. But they are federally recognized Indians of Oklahoma and uh, cannibals. So that'll come up a little bit later. Mm, holy shit. Okay, are we at the bottom of something then? I mean, that's some deep cuts right there. Uh, that's I know they also talk deep about cut. like they also talk about the Anasazi, which I know are relatively close to Texas as well. But also like way extinct by this point. But yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because figure anyway. they died in like what eight thousand BCE. No, but like <laughs> Johnny, that's a big point. That's that whole like um, Thanksgiving episode is like. Yep. Thanks taking. Mm, man. Is John Redcorn Tonkow? Okay, sorry. Ooh. No, you don't pin in this one. No, this is. Co- I like we, when we, we find these weird it. moments of like pin stickings, if that makes sense, but yeah. Uh, that, so that may. I mean, uh, this has happened before where we find something kind of cool like this at the end of an episode and you go, well, maybe this wasn't that bad because they have this. No, it's still that bad. I'm just going to jump ahead now because I don't <laughs> think you have anything good to say about it or a favorite moment, do you? Um, I, I've got two. Okay. Um, one of them is, I love that Hank, the idea that he's just like, well, yeah, I could probably just jam this in your skull and scramble it about around a bit. <laughs> and then um, John Radcorn basically just says, well, yeah, but can't you do that with any tool? Yeah. I-, I love that he just kind of puts Hank in his place. Like, dude, don't be stupid. You know, like you're thinking of Hollywood Indians. What What's wrong with you? Again, like, I he, get, he gets note, to have like, his Hank like. Hank is still pretty bad with this one, but he's getting better. Yes. He is, and John Redcorn just, like, calls him on it, basically. Like, if you're going to be this stupid, I'm going to call you out on it. Yeah. Um, And I I love, so to your credit of certain moments in this episode being very well animated and certain ones not, one that I think is very well animated that always gets a little giggle out of me mm-hmm. is Lerner looking at him at the very end of the the right at the very end right before the credits roll and just going you know it sounds like i could have scored with your wife if i just tried a little harder and hank just goes what and grabs him and just chucks him into the pit that first throw is hilarious first throw and is it's great. very yeah. it is very well animated no absolutely but, the, <laughs> but it's like the follow-ups that kill it for me you, yeah you didn't need 900 more this is not um daniel plan and lisa needs braces you are not the simpsons it's not that funny That'll plan. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. it's been done. It's a really we've, su- we've had our that's moments. A, I, like, I like that, though. I like how you put that, because that's that's kind of how I felt about it. Like, all right, guys, one and done, huh? Oh, no, never mind. You're still going. Thanks. Well, yeah. pretty much. And it and the Simpsons made it work because they did it a couple times. They also do it with Sideshow Bob and his rakes. Like, that's kind of funny. 
That no, but that's hilarious. It's not King of the Hill. That's the best animated anything in the history of anything ever. But we're not going to get into that. <laughs> so I know I I really I think it's hilarious. It's just wait what? And he just grabs him and chucks him in. Like okay, yeah. this is what you get, and you're going to fall probably close to five feet if I'm looking at at how tall Peggy is versus how Kate kicks dirt in her eyes. Like he's yes. going to fall five feet into a pit. That's not a fun fall. Yeah. Well, you know, don't try. Don't be a dick. Be a dude. You know. There you go. Yeah. Okay, let's get a rating on this guy. Uh, you care if I go for uh, it? Just go for it, man. Just give it to me. I want to. I want to hear it. It's a megalo. It's not good. It's not a good episode. But like, okay, there's nothing in it. It's not so bad that I can't watch it. I'll still watch this one because it does have a couple all rightish bits. But yeah, whatever. How about you, buddy? Um, I gave uh, the Arrowhead a butane. Okay. Yep, Learner's a dick. Peggy is uncomfortably naive, but Hank is pretty sweet, and he earns his ending. I really do feel like he earns his ending. It, it's it's kind of cute to see him get jealous over Peggy. Okay. She's not usually the type of person that you, in this show at all, that you would ever get jealous over. But Hank does, and I find that wholesome. Good enough. I'll, I'll give it to you. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. It's fine. I, yeah, it's it's fine. I, I, they can't all you know, they can't all be blue flame of valors. Even if my dumb Freudian slips want to make them all blue flame of valors, <laughs> they, they can't. And you know, I, I want to say we've done we've gone through fifteen episodes of this series, a whole season at this point, and we're starting to get, we're pretty getting our way into season two. We haven't yet to give a charcoal. Do we? We I don't think we've given a single charcoal this whole time. Oh, you're right. I was gonna do it for uh, Luann's saga, but you you swayed me. Yeah, that's right. I did. Well, that's good. Like, that's good. We're still into we're still into solid. Like, yeah. You know, if we haven't given a charcoal out, I think we're doing pretty dang good. I think you're right. Pretty so you, dang good. So it's safe to say you still like King of the Hill, buddy. You know, I think I really do still like King of the Hill. How about you, Mark? I think I'm still all right with King of the Hill. Do you guys like King of the Hill? Are Johnny and I wrong? Is this the best episode ever made? And I'm an idiot for giving a blue flame of valor to plastic, single plastic female. Let us know. You can do that by going to danglepodcast at gmail.com, danglepodcast on Twitter. If I really pissed you off personally, you can find me at Marky Stardust on Twitter. And they can find you, Johnny, at where? Uh, I am at Krautballstream. Kraut as in sauerkraut, ball as in Swedish meatball, and stream as in... I can't think of any other synonyms for that, so... I don't know, Netflix? There you go. Good enough. Hulu, probably, because that's what's hosting King of the Hill, but yeah. Hey, I like it. There we go. Yeah, Hulu. Alright, good enough. Just like uh, the Arrowhead, this episode does not have a good ending. Ha ha! (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Good night.